We have blueberry bushes in my backyard, three of them. And we've learned that if we want to be able to enjoy any of the blueberries that they produce, actually eat them and not just enjoy seeing them on the bushes, we have to keep the birds out. We have to put up a net and make sure there aren't any openings, because if there are, the birds will find them. They're very good at that, we've learned. But every once in a while, despite our best efforts, a bird will get in. He or she will be delighted at first as she gets one of those nice, ripe berries in her beak. But then she can't get out. These birds, as good as they are at finding a way in, cannot seem to remember where the opening was. So they just keep trying to fly out by flying into the net. And they panic, which just makes it worse. So we see this, and we have to go out and create an opening and try to chase the birds out. We come in mercy. We come to help. We come to provide a way out. But the bird doesn't know that, but instead sees me as a threat. Now, eventually we get the bird out, and then we put the net back, hopefully most secure this time. But that bird will be back. And oftentimes that bird will get back in and get trapped again. And we think, stupid bird, just stay out. But those blueberries are just too good-looking, too tasty. He has to go back in. And once in a while, sadly, if we don't notice in time, the bird can get tangled in the netting. And, well, I hope the blueberry was worth it. But it's not just birds that get trapped or critters, or animals, we can get trapped too. People get trapped in their homes when there is a fire, or sometimes when, when there is a flood and the waters rose too fast. You might remember a few years ago, there was a soccer team in Asia that got stuck in an underwater cave. We can get trapped in a traffic jam. One of our senators, in addition to a whole lot of other people, got stuck on I-95 for over 24 hours. Or maybe you feel trapped in a job you really don't want. Or in a conversation you really don't want to be in. Now sometimes these are a mere inconvenience. But other times it's much more serious than that. Sometimes the bird gets out, but sometimes. Well, today in the reading we heard from Romans, St. Paul talks about being trapped. But this is a far more serious kind of trapped than all of that, serious as all that may be. It is trapped in his sin. It sounds as if he's trapped in his body, as some are saying today, though 
in a different way and for a different reason. What he sounds like he's describing is, is that his body and his mind are at odds. His body doing one thing and his mind wants to do another, but that's not quite it. The struggle for Paul is not between his body and his mind, but between his old man and his new man. It is between sinner and saint. It is between the sinful nature he was born with and the new spiritual Christian nature that he was born again with in Jesus. He wants to be that. The new man, the Christian, the saint, but his old sinful man isn't dead yet and keeps dragging him down. Or maybe better to say, keeps taking him back inside the net. He knows it's not good there. He knows there's trouble there. He knows the last time he was there, he got trapped. But darn it, that sin... Those blueberries are just too good-looking, too tasty to resist. Now, Paul was once a Pharisee, and then the answer to this was simple. Just do better. Try harder. Keep the law. And maybe you've tried that, too. To escape your own sins and the sins you keep falling back into. And what are they for you? Paul doesn't mention his, but what are they for you? Hurtful, careless, thoughtless words or deeds? Sexual sins with your eyes, your thoughts, your heart, your body? Being too busy for God, too busy for prayer, for his word? Or too busy for your family. Stealing, greed, laziness, apathy, pride, condescension, resentment, bitterness, anger, rebellion. What are the sins that you, like St. Paul, keep falling back into that you can't escape? But then Paul saw the light. Literally, when Jesus came to him in that bright, blinding, shining light from heaven when he was on his way to Damascus and Paul was born again. Once Paul saw the light, he realized that to simply do better and try harder doesn't work. He just couldn't do it. The law meant for good to keep him from sin kept trapping him in sin. And the harder he tried to get himself out, the worse it got, the more tangled he became. Until finally he cries out, Urgh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me, rescue me, save me from this net, from this body of death? Because he couldn't. He was trapped. But that's what we do, isn't it? If we can't not sin, avoid it, then when we're trapped by our sins, we try to save ourselves. We try to get out. Maybe we'll lie. Maybe we'll cheat. 
And maybe if we're successful once or twice, we'll improve our methods so we don't get caught again. Remember when Adam and Eve got caught and God came and said, what happened? It was her. Or remember when Cain killed his brother Abel and God came to him and said, where's Abel? Beats me. Remember about Joseph. His his brother sold him into slavery. And so then they showed their father his coat covered with goat's blood. How about David when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then found out she was pregnant? Uh Uh-oh. First he tried to make it seem that the husband was responsible when he came home on leave, but when that didn't work, had to bump him off. Maybe it works at first. Maybe you have gotten away with it. But then the lying, the cheating, itself becomes a net. And the more we have to lie, and the more we have to cheat, and the more we struggle, and the worse it gets, the more tangled we become. How are we going to escape? So we also heard the words of the prophet Zechariah today. Words that were preached some 550 years before St. Paul's, but which give us the answer. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. The people in Zechariah's day were feeling pretty hopeless. The 70 years of captivity in Babylon were over and people were returning to Jerusalem, but there was nothing there. No city, no wall, no temple. They had all been torn down and destroyed when the nation was conquered. Life was difficult. They had doubts and fears within and enemies without. They were trapped in a prison without walls. A prison of fear and hopelessness and despair. So God sent Zechariah to them with a word of encouragement and hope. And part of that hope was that their king was coming to them. They would not be ruled by a foreign king forever. Their own king was coming to them. A good king, a righteous king, and with salvation. To deliver them, save them, rescue them. And he would not only restore them, but double it. Even more, even better than before. And you know when that happened. You know because we hear these words of Zechariah every year, twice a year. On the first Sunday of Advent, the first Sunday of a new church year. And on Palm Sunday, the first day of Holy Week. Our King came to us. In the flesh and blood of Jesus, that's Advent. And our king came to Jerusalem to die on the cross. That's Holy Week. 
And notice, Zechariah says, he comes humble and mounted on a donkey. When I go to set the birds free from the net covering my blueberries, they see me as a threat and they get scared. But the Son of God comes in a most non-threatening way as a man on a donkey so that we not fear him but instead rejoice and shout aloud at his coming that we see him as the Savior he is. Now, some don't. Some mistake humility for weakness and lowliness for foolishness. They see Jesus as he comes to us today in lowliness and humility and water and in words and in bread and wine and they think, nah, can't be. This is nothing. I'll do it myself. I have to do it myself. Or they don't want to be rescued. Those blueberries are just too good. But you know what happens? Blueberries only grow for a month or so. And then the harvest is over and there's no more blueberries to be had. And that sin... Not so much pleasure anymore. But now you're stuck in the net. You're still stuck in your sin. And then what? Maybe there's a better way. Paul finally learned that. And so after crying out, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this net, from this body of death? He then says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So how about you? Maybe we're still learning. Oh, we know, right? We we know the answer. We know what the answer is. We know the facts. We've been catechized. But how often are you still going after the blueberry? How often do we still get stuck in the nets of sin? How often are we like Paul, knowing what's right, knowing what we want to do, but still being stupid? Still doing what we know isn't right, isn't good. If we were a bird, maybe we deserve to be left in the net. You want to keep going back in there? Fine, stay there. But we're not just birds. Just a few chapters before the gospel we heard today from Matthew, Jesus talked about how much more valuable you are than birds. You are his children. He came in your flesh and blood. He came to be your brother and to lay down his life for you so that when you get stuck, when you get caught, each and every time, he cares. And so as we heard today, he speaks of a better way. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Instead of going for the blueberries, come to me, Jesus says. Instead of laboring so to get away with your sins, I will give you rest. 
Don't get tangled in the net of sin and death. Take my yoke upon you, a yoke that is easy and light. Instead of being stupid and going back to your sin, learn from me who comes to you gentle and lowly in heart, not to punish you or frighten you, but that you find rest for your souls. Which sounds good, doesn't it? To be children again, children of God, to be in His house under His care, to learn from Him. Children who know their father and love their brother, who know how good they have it in this house. And he will do it. He said that today and he does it here every Sunday. He sets us free. I forgive you all your sins. He reminds us who we are, his baptized children. And he feeds us with the fruit that is sweeter than any blueberries, any good-looking sins in this world. The fruits of his cross, his very body and blood. Because that fruit gives we who are trapped and laboring and dying rest and freedom and eternal life. That we be no longer prisoners of sin, but prisoners of hope. Which is really a strange phrase, isn't it? Prisoners of hope. That we be captive not to sin, but to hope. Always abounding, not in sin, but in hope. Living always, not in sin, but in hope. And when that hope is in Jesus, it is a hope that does not disappoint. Not a, if we'll be set free, but we already have been. Not a, if I'll be forgiven, but that I am. Not a, if Jesus will be here for me, but he is. And not a, if he'll accept me. But that he already has a seat for me here at his table. And if here at his table, then also at his heavenly table. At the feast that has no end. So next time those blueberries look too good to resist, Come here and eat instead. Next time you're stuck in the net, come to confession and be set free. And next time you think God doesn't care, that you're just a bird to be left behind, remember that you are baptized. You are worth far more than any bird. For your Jesus came humbled and mounted on a donkey For you, he came and laid down his life. For you, he rose from the dead. For you, Jesus is here with salvation. That you have hope. That you be free with the fruit of salvation. For the fruit of salvation. No longer trapped. But free to be the faithful child of God. You are. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.